I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not into the whole formal intro. I'm just kind of like, let's roll with it, you know, like just go into the episode. But that's just me. And since I get to, you know, get out of the backseat this week, then I think that's what I'm going to do. All right. So moving on into to news uh, this week, uh, Lou is not feeling all that well. So that means that Adam gets to get out of the backseat, like I said, and gets to drive the car for a little bit and steer the ship straight into the cliffs. Oh boy, I'm jumping in the back seat, and I'm definitely putting my seatbelt on. Yeah, hey, you know, like you said though, if it's that that Model X, you know, the rear facing seats are, I believe, safer. Correct? Yeah, I think that's true. I'm, I don't, I don't know the uh, National Transportation Safety Board rating on that, but uh, you know, I will uh, buckle up and hold on. I'm only speaking from the experience of having to put car seats in cars and put kids in car seats, and they have to be rear-facing for a very long time. And then they can be front-facing, and then they get to sit in front-facing car seats until basically they're 10. <laughs> and it's like, man, like I remember sitting front-facing in the front seat of a car when I was like six, you know? Uh, and there were times where, you know, you'd get in cars and people wouldn't even put seatbelts on. And things have changed a lot. I mean, cars have gotten faster and... You know, yes, they've gotten a little bit safer, but, you know, rules have changed for the better. Yeah, kids have to weigh, like, what is it, like, some 60 pounds. seen amount now? Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. Like, some of these kids, like, and some of these kids today, like, 60 pounds, I mean, they're, I feel like they're, like, 15 years old when they weigh 60 pounds. Yeah, I've had cousins on the smaller side, right, where they were, like, you know, running 12 years old and still had to sit in a car seat because you have to meet the weight and the height requirement. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so, it's pretty nuts. When it comes to the kids, Adam, are you the crazier driver or is the wife the crazier driver? Oh, I'm definitely the the crazier driver. Like I'm not the best I'm not the best driver by far. Um my wife just doesn't like driving, so I get to drive most of the time, but she's the one who, you know, is shuttling the kids back and forth and luckily I only have to drive, you know, 5 minutes maybe to get to the bus stop and then ride the bus to work, so I usually don't have to do much of the driving lessons at the weekend. And even then, you know, we're not going too far. And if we do, yeah, I, I don't know. I grew up on kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And to drive to our house from anywhere took about like 30 minutes. And you were driving down just, you know, this windy road all over the place. You know, people go 60 miles an hour down that road, you know, and other people go 20 miles an hour. So I kind of got used to driving just I don't want to say reckless, but like not, not the safest driver, like all cut corners and all, you know, like tighten curves and, you know, weave into the other lane and do stuff like that, but not on like freeways or anything. So I'm definitely the worst driver. All right. Well, all aboard for Mr. Toad's wild ride. I'll uh, buckle up and let's, let's, let's do this. Okay. Can we talk about how is that ride still at Disneyland? That ride has been there forever. I guess it doesn't take up that much space and it's, you know, kind of, really ingrained into the building but that ride like no one wants to go on it every time i was like kids let's go on this ride no one wants to yeah that's actually a pretty valid point um it's it's kind of the ride i feel like they leave there because it's like i don't know it's two o'clock in the afternoon and like peter pan has a 90 minute wait and like everything is a 90 minute wait and everyone's like you want to go on this one (laughs) it's like it's the cop out that's another thing is like, why is Peter Pan a 90 minute wait? That makes no sense to me. That ride is not that great. Yeah, it's 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 the like 
I feel like it's the one ride for like the little little kids that is their version of Space Mountain. You know, it's like which don't get me wrong, it's not that great. I'm I'm totally in the camp there. But if you're like five and under, that might as well be Space Mountain. Anyway, feel better, Lou. Doing this podcast for a couple hours, you know, definitely won't do anything harmful to your vocal cords. <laughs> so moving on into into news, uh, there was a lot of it this week, um, especially around like the technology sector. So um, there were a lot of actual chip vulnerabilities that came out. So there was one that was called Meltdown, I believe. And then uh, another chip vulnerability that was discovered that affected, I believe, a larger number of chips. And, you know, a bunch of companies kind of like scrambled to put software updates together. And a lot of companies, you know, had mentioned they had already addressed, you know, or mitigated some of these things. And Intel came out and said that, no, it's not a bug on our side. It's, you know, this and that. But um, Lou, it sounds like a bug to me. And in the wild, wild west, that is the technology sector with, you know, a bunch of people poking holes that or, you know, poking to find holes in software. Seems like they found a pretty big one with this guy. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what the other bug was called. I know Meltdown was one of them, and it began with an S. I think it was like Spectre or something like that. But yep, that's correct. Yeah, you just jogged my memory. So Spectre was the other one, and that one I think is about like the speculative processing, you know, side of of what these processors can do today. Which is, I mean, I'm I'm no chip chip expert, but man, these things are kind of crazy. They what they do is is just nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of seems early. It's a he said, she said match on, um, you know, is it fixable in software? Is it not fixable in software? And, you know, there's some mentions that, you know, we, to fix some of these, we could experience slowdowns on the chip side. Um, but, you know, either way, I, the one thing I always take away from this is like, Hardware is hard, no pun intended. I mean, you only get one chance to ship it right and do it right. And when you screw it up, man, the repercussions are big. Well, yeah, and, you know, to your point as well, like, when it's hardware, it doesn't mean it, you know, it's just patched by one company and then, hey, we move on with our lives. It's like, no, it has to be patched by everybody. Um, Just because, you know, Intel's used in a bunch of different computers and by a bunch of different operating systems. And, I mean, you talk about the kernels that run on Intel, you know, you've got even open source software has to, you know, take some measures to fix things. So it's it's pretty widespread when it comes down to hardware. And like you said, it's hard. Hardware is hard and security is hard. So another reason to stay on top of your updates. Uh, so everyone update to whatever version fixes, you know, this uh, this vulnerability or mitigates it. And I know a lot of people have said, like, hey, you know, we're putting in a Band-Aid right now and then we have a full solution coming later. But, you know, it's just another week in the technology sector, there's another exploit available and another exploit found, another exploit patched, and we all kind of move on with our lives. I do have to say, I did see a really funny report um, on just a general news outlet about this uh, yesterday, and they were just showing, um, I think, I'm pretty sure it was an iPhone, not not an Android device, but they were showing the, the App Store and like just going to the App Store and, and updating the apps on the device and they were like stay on top of your updates and i'm just kind of sitting here like facepalm 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 like the message is right <laughs> where you go to do it and how you do it completely wrong <laughs> yeah so yeah make sure you're doing the the actual like operating system updates not you know third-party app updates yeah i don't think updating your facebook app is gonna gonna help with this much 
I hit the check for updates button in Skype and said I'm up to date, so I must be good, right? Definitely. Keep on trucking. You're good. So in other news, Transmit for iOS is going away. And this is something that, you know, Transmit, made by Panic, which is a, a popular um, FTP client. For iOS, it looks like they are going to pull it because it wasn't selling that well or not enough people bought into it. But I know one person who bought the app and who uses it uh, fairly regularly, um, probably for this show too. So, Lou, what are your thoughts on Transmit for iOS going the way of the dinosaur? You know, I mean, I'm definitely sad to see it go. Uh, it, it was a really well-polished app. Um, well, it was made by Panic, so anything made by Panic is going to be pretty good. This is true. This is true. I mean, they, they do hold themselves to a pretty high bar. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it's definitely well done. You're right. I do use it on a weekly basis for the podcast. So um, it's it's really going to be sad. I mean, I think the way they wrote the blog post is that it's intact and it'll live on for a while. But as far as, you know, when it falls apart and doesn't work anymore, then it just won't be updated, which is a little sad. But I've loved it while I've had access to it. And, um, you know, Panic's kind of near and dear to my heart in some ways because I actually got a chance to go to Portland last year. And one of the only things I did while I was there, um, while I was, or the things that I did that I was excited to do, I guess I should say, was I wanted to go see Panic um, in their downtown uh, section of the city. And so I went to see Panic's headquarters and I had read this long article about how you can control their sign. Um, They did something really nerdy where you can connect to a Wi-Fi network sitting outside of their, um, or sorry, you don't connect to a Wi-Fi network. You go to their website and there's a specific link on their website that you can control the color of the sign. And I just felt it was super nerdy to sit outside their headquarters and control the color of the sign on the building. Um, so I don't know. I have like kind of a connection with them. Um, I've definitely uh, followed them in the really, the latest documentary that came out, which is called app, the human story. They were in that. So I don't know. I feel connected to them and bonded to them and I've definitely bought their software. So it's kind of sad to see them go, but the reasons and principles that they kind of exited the, the market with totally makes sense. It's a niche app. It wasn't doing well, and at the end of the day, they're in the business to make money and to keep their business going, and they have phenomenal apps on the Mac and that I use as well, and I'll use them there and support them you know, where I can. You know me, Adam. Throw money at them. Yeah, you'll throw money at basically anybody. Um, it is important to note, too, that, yeah, it's just Transmit for iOS that they're sunsetting, not Transmit for the Mac, which they put in their post. Transmit for the Mac is doing very well, because they just released Transmit 5 not too long ago, so... Nice to see that that's going to live on. But I mean, I, I know we've kind of like sung our praises about Panic and, you know, the, the work that they do. But I mean, you, you talk about sunsetting an app, right? It's they're kind of doing it in the right way, too, where and you see this a lot with like open source projects, or at least I do, where it'll just stop developing. But the code is pretty volatile to where if there's an update to, you know, some system software or some framework somewhere, the app stops working completely. But with panic, you know, like they said, it's like, hey, we just updated everything. Like, we just made sure that it has update for, you know, or support for iPhone 10. So they kind of like gave it like the last hurrah push, right? Like the last stable update that they could put on it and said, hey, you know, we anticipate it working forever. We're going to keep the sync service running as long as the app is available and the as long as the app is working, but there just won't be any new sales of it. So I think that they've done a pretty good job about kind of like 
keeping ahead of it and like notifying people like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And when it happens, like we're still going to be, you know, at least available to, if you have questions, but they're giving you notice and they, you know, put out an update right before they stopped, you know, completely. So it's, it's kind of a nice way to say goodbye to an app. Like you said, that wasn't making them any money. So no point, you know, throwing money on a fire that just keeps burning and not doing anything else, you know? Yeah. I mean, for the foreseeable future, this app is probably at least stable for a solid year on the platform and maybe longer, you know, I mean, you just don't know. Um, but for the foreseeable year, hopefully everything will be okay. And, you know, maybe it'll last two or three years before something finally breaks. It's it's just too early to say, but sad to see them go. Yep. Or went out for transmit for iOS. Uh, so moving on to, to follow up, we have a little bit of follow up this week. So last week we talked about, you know, personal trainers or sorry, not personal trainers. That was the one thing we forgot to talk about, but we talked about technology and fitness and, uh, we neglected to mention like personal trainers. And this is something that just kind of came to, to my mind as we were going through the outline this week is like, well, what about personal trainers, right? Are they eventually going to be replaced by robots or apps? Because we talked about, you know, the data that you're getting and the feedback that you're getting and how now an app or some machine learning or some algorithm can basically do what a personal trainer would do is like give you some motivation um, or, you know, just kind of guide you to the right exercises that you should be doing at that time. But I thought it was interesting that we totally forgot about that. And, you know, everyone's saying robots took our jobs. Well, this is another case where they definitely could do that. Yeah, they definitely could. And I mean, there's definitely been a rise in this area. Um, you know, I, I do think it's kind of interesting from the AI perspective. I think we see that more commonly on iOS. Um, but there is even, um, you know, these personalities, I guess I would call them. Um, there's, oh God, what's this? I think it's called like Sweat with Kayla or something like that. It's like a common iOS app that's like really high up there all the time. And I don't even know if Kayla's real or not, but you know, it's it's really funny to see these quote unquote personal trainers. Who knows if they, they are actually, you know, a human doing the class or if it's just, you know, some AI that's behind it all that's kind of showing you how to do the class. But um they're definitely taking over the jobs of, of the people that are at the gym down the street, it seems like. And when when I look at some of these app store charts and stuff like that, I mean, some of these things have like thousands of reviews that are definitely raking in money. But um, they're definitely taking the job market down because, you know, there's thousands of trainers out there and there's one, you know, there's probably a couple hundred apps on the store, you know, or something like that that are just doing this. Yeah, well, the thing that you mentioned too, like that's what with Kayla, that's almost like an exercise program, right? So that's like a Richard Simmons type thing, uh, you know, where everyone get up and dance together, right? But the actual personal trainer aspect was the thing I was kind of getting at, right? Where you go every week and you see this personal trainer, right? And, you know, they take your weight or they'll take your measurements and they'll kind of, you know, ask you, you know, what you want to work out or how you want to work out. And they'll kind of sit there and, and coach you through a workout, just a very personal session, right? The whole point of the personal trainer is to get this personal exercise routine and someone to motivate you and keep you honest and do all these things. So um, I, I think apps, like you have that kind of now with like, you know, even something as dumb as like Carrot, right? If you've ever used the Carrot exercise app, which we all know Carrot's a pretty sassy robot and refers to you as meatbag and all sorts of things. But I used the the Carrot app for a little bit and that was like, hey, you know, if you lost weight, you know, the Carrot app would show you ads or they'd, pay, they'd penalize you somehow, right? 
They'd make you sit through like a five minute video or just something to kind of like annoy you. Uh, and then when you did something right, they're like, hey, good job. And they give you like a nice little, you know, bonus here and there. So I, I think apps, like you said, are are coming up big in this market. And you see the subscriptions for, you know, the exercise programs. And I think, you know, like you said, people will do that in their living room rather than go and, you know, join like a cycle gym or a spin class or something like that, like you're going to do. But apps apps are really going to kind of just push in more into this market. And once we get into the AI, once they start analyzing like, hey, your calorie burn, you know, during this workout was really good or, you know, like giving you motivation as you're you're going, right? It's like, hey, you know, you start a set or it knows when you start a set or, you know, something like that where it's like, hey, you've got, you know, three more reps, like push through it, push through it. Just that extra motivation, I think eventually we'll get there. And I think that'll be really interesting to see, right? Just having a virtual personal trainer, but watch out personal trainers, you know, like the technology is gunning for your job. Definitely. And I, I, I should say, this is really funny. Um, has a little bit of a mix between Lou doing a cycle and, uh, and some follow-up. So I'm, I'm sick as you know. And, uh, this week, um, there was a day that I was scheduled to go to a cycle class and, um, I was sick and I had a fever and, I had a decision to make about like, do I, do I not go to the cycle workout, which of course seems like the logical thing to do, but Lou did not do that. Lou got out of bed and went to the cycle workout with the fever with the intention that, Hey, since I have the fever, if I work out and I sweat, won't my body temperature go down, which is probably is like against every doctor's like advice ever that you should do. But I totally did it. And my fever went from 101.5 to 99.1. So I, I saw it as a net win. Yeah. Exercising while, while you're sick is, is never fun, but I don't know. And here's the other thing too, is I'm on a, a move streak right now, right? And the scariest thing for me is getting sick because when I get sick, right, and I'm obsessed with closing my activity rings on my Apple Watch every day. It's the it's worst. Like, if I'm sick, I, that's an extra anxiety I don't want. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, man, like, if I lose this ring, if I don't get this ring today, like, I'm I'm going to lose my streak and then I have to start over from square one. And it's like, can't I just have, like, a buy? Like, can't there just be a sick day, right? Yeah, can't it just be, like, definitely. I accrue sick hours throughout the year? Like, hey, man, I was not sick for two months, and then I got sick for one day. Can I get, like, a free day here? Like, and maybe it's, like, I have to build up a free day. But, I mean, I guess, like, you're making it almost like a, a job at that point, right? Here, here's paid sick leave. You know, but I, I just want, like, even just one day a month, man. Like, just give me a day where I can say, like, hey, man, like, fuck it. Today, I cannot fucking do this, like. Just let give me a pass so I don't lose all the progress that I have. What is your what's your move streak at? I'm only at like 42 days right now. So. Okay. Yeah. Um. So mine is going to be like in, incredible. Like I have no idea how I'll ever break this, but I had a 110 day move streak, um, and I'm currently at 51. So like just to get back to 110, like it's going to take so long. I, I I can't even. I don't even look at that very often because I just don't want to look at it. It seems so long to get back to there. Um, but my next big goal that I'm after is my 365 move goals because at some point last year or like early last year, I erased my Apple watch and like lost all my activity data. So I have to get that back and get the 500 back because I, I, I don't have them. So, man, we, we kind of obsess over these little like achievements that, that they give us. Right. But I mean, it's just one more thing that, that works for people, right? Hey, this little incentive to get this little badge, right? 
if it gets you out of bed and starts moving, you know, great. Hamster wheel, hamster wheel. For sure. So uh, on the note of Apple Watches, uh, Lou will be getting an action sleeve from Adam whenever it finally ships from the warehouse. Woo, woo. I'm excited. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm going to give it a whirl. I'm definitely going to give it a whirl. See how it is. I uh, I don't know. In, in, in a cycle workout, I think it actually could be kind of good. So we'll see. Oh, the cycle workouts where it's awesome because out of the way. And when I look at that pretty graph, it, because it never misses a beat, ha, <laughs> never misses a heart rate uh, reading. It's just a really, really nice, pretty graph, really smooth looking graph of, you know, just your, your cycle workout. Um, maybe I'll screenshot that and uh, send it to you just so you can see like what life could be like. Um, but yeah, like I, I figured, you know, like I said, I, I came across some eBay gift cards and, you know, we were looking at what to spend them on. I was like, oh, hey, look at action sleeves. And we found some uh, on eBay that were just basically repackaged from Amazon. So whatever. And uh, got some and got one for my wife and got one for Lou and said, hey, you know, here you go. My Christmas present to you. I still owe you a bunch of money, but here's an action sleeve to make you hopefully forget about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give it a try. And I'm sure there'll be follow up on the follow up when, when I've had a chance to give it a whirl. That's our favorite thing. Follow up on the follow up. It's a must. <laughs> yeah. So um, this week, I we wanted to kind of talk about something that's still kind of relevant now that the holiday shopping season is over, but the concept of um, physical stores or brick and mortar. So a lot of people kind of refer to brick and mortar as being, you know, the retail store or the actual store that you go to. So if we want to break down kind of what that means for us, you know, we're thinking like, Grocery stores, hardware stores, you know, just general retailers. Um, Lou, I saw you put in here like clothing and apparel. Like car dealerships is another example. Uh, restaurants, pharmacies, libraries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, any others that I missed? No, um, I, big box stores is the only other one I can think of offhand that I, I think. Um, I also think it's really funny. We still say the term brick and mortar. I feel like that's so like... I don't know, our grandparents' generation. <laughs> like, Would you want to say like steel beams and, you know, metal siding? Or Yeah, I'd be mean, like, what, what do we say, drywall and concrete? <laughs> drywall and concrete. <laughs> like, like, I, I mean, stucco, you know? I, and- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I get what they're, the premise of it, but like, dude, when was the last time? That, well, I guess East Coast is really brick, brick and, you know, more still, but like on, on the West Coast, like nothing's built out of brick. <laughs> just super funny yeah when we look at over here you know everything's just stucco and drywall and whatever you know (laughs) yeah all the kids here like it's like lost on them they're like brick and mortar huh what there were buildings made out of bricks why (laughs) they're like what what do we live in roman times i don't get it it's like well child there's this thing called weather and where we live we just don't have to deal with it ever (laughs) yeah have you seen the east coast in the last two weeks because it's been cold (laughs) yeah that's where I picture, you know, like someone going to the thermostat and, you know, like it's either a digital, let's say, thermostat. And I see like an error on the thermostat because like they never programmed it to go that far below zero. Yeah. So they're just like tapping on it like, wait a minute, what's what's happening? Because mm-hmm. I love how they called it a bomb cyclone too, right? Like, like okay, yeah, let's just drop a bomb cyclone on, you know, the East Coast because, so, you know. Supposedly this- that is actually like a, a meteorology term though. And it it has something to do with the like amount of pressure drop per hour, like it's it's something like 
I think they said if the millibar, I think millibar is the correct term, of pressure drops more than one per hour, then it's considered like a bomb cyclone for like a certain period of time, like 24 hours or 48 hours or something like that. So it's it's like the pressure drops so fast over such a short period of time that it's considered a bomb cyclone. I don't know. I didn't go to school for that. I wish I could answer more in that area. Yeah, basically it's it's really cold on the East Coast and it's really serious because there have actually been like a lot of deaths too. So I guess that kind of goes into the news section of things, you know, but like I said, two Californians talking about weather isn't really, uh, isn't really the best uh, radio. Anyway, so on with our uh, stucco and concrete eater, drywall and concrete. Yeah, I'll stick to brick and mortar. It just kind of flows, rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. <laughs> all right. So um, we, we have all of these, you know, physical locations that before the, you know, invention of the internet and technology and online shopping was the only place that you could buy stuff other than, you know, like, let's say mail order or phone order. So I guess the question is, and this is kind of a very like controversial question. is like, if you had to choose one right now, which would you choose online or physical to stay? Uh, I mean, this is so hard. I honestly would probably say um, online, but um, I understand why physical is hard. And for me personally, physical, like as a guy, apparel is like the hardest one to give up because I want to just try it on. And then I want to buy like 50 of that one thing. And you know this about me, Adam. Uh, But I would say online. Yeah. So I had to think about this too. Right. And my go-to is like online. Yes, absolutely online because 90% of the shopping I do is online. Right. And that 10% of shopping that I would go to a physical place, like I'm sure I could, you know, suffer through trying to go through the same experience online. But I mean, I, I tried to make a case for physical stores and it was, it was really hard to, um, so I, I'd say if I had to choose one, it would definitely be online because we'll go through all of the great things about it. But in this day and age, it, it's really kind of taken over this uh, this industry. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree. Like when I looked at this list of things we just named off, apparel was the only thing that held me back from saying online. Um, everything else, I figured I could uh, I could do you know, online without any issue. It's the, with apparel, it's returns that I think is the worst. And everything else, I don't know. I mean, almost every other category, when I buy something, I rarely, rarely, rarely have to return it. And returns, I think, is the biggest reason that online is painful. Um, but with apparel, I, I think I my return rate is probably a lot higher. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get into kind of some of the things that will potentially mitigate some of the concerns that you have about that as well, just kind of later. Um, but I, I have to ask this kind of follow-up question now is like, what was the most recent purchase that you made? Was it online or was it at a physical store? Uh, so I actually have to think about this because my most recent purchase, a, I guess I should rephrase that, right? Because purchase could be anything, but let, let's say a, a product, let's not do like a consumable, like gas or, you know, a food or whatever. Let's just say an actual, like, physical product, not a consumable product, but a product. Uh, product was, was online. I was going to say, cause I bought airline tickets earlier tonight. Um, but that's, that's pretty well got to be bought online today. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not driving to the airport to buy the airline tickets at the counter anymore. Um, so 
because you can do it online. See, that's a thing. I mean, that kind of counts. But anyway, your other purchase was what? My other purchase was a wireless charger um, for my iPhone 10. That was I picked up one of the Anchor wireless chargers. It was in a lightning box deal uh, like two days ago on Amazon, and uh, I think it was like ten bucks off. And I had like I don't know fifty dollar Amazon gift card, so I said, eh, "Why not? I'll put it on the desk and give it a whirl." So, yep, online. You're not already on the Qi charging bandwagon with your iPhone 10? No, not really. I mean, I'm I'm not too big of a like concern with like the whole wireless charging thing. I mean, there will be a day where There'll probably be like 50 of them, but in all honesty, I'm waiting for that, uh, uh, what is it? What is Apple called? Air power from Apple. Yes. Oh God. And why don't they, why did they, there's so many better names they could have come up with that thing. Oh, I would have, I would have loved some of the joke names they've come up with. You, You know, marketing, who knows? Um, so my wife got an iPhone 10 recently. And that was like one of the first things that we got. It was like, hey, let's get you a wireless charger because I anything that, you know, reduces friction, that's my go-to thing, right? So I, I can say that after using it, like it's it's really, and I know all the Android people are like, God, like guys, come on, iOS, really? But I mean, the fact of Qi charging is actually really appealing and we just have it on the nightstand, right? And like, yeah, you just set it there and you take it off and it gives a nice little pleasant vibrate when it starts charging and, um, we have a Samsung one, so it supports kind of like the fastest charging. Uh, I guess I, I, I think it was the top rated on wire cutter. That's why I got it. So I was like, all right, let's just look at the top rated on wire cutter and got that one. And my only complaint with that is like, it's got this big blue led ring on it. It's really annoying. And a lot of people have said that. Um, but a lot of people bought the charger based off of wire cutters recommendation. So it's kind of like, Hey, wire cutter, like, you didn't really mention that there was this giant blue thing or that didn't like deter you at all from, you know, recommending this. But I, I guess as far as the charger goes, it definitely does what it needs to do. Um, but the Mophie was the one that I was actually looking at, like the, the just black rubber, you know, thing that they have. So I haven't looked at the anchor one. You'll have to show me. Um, we're getting so off topic again. Um, yes, we are. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, definitely get a wireless charger. It's awesome. Very, very worth it. I'm excited for it. Gets here Monday, so I'll give it a whirl and I'll report back. It is it is 15 watts. Um, and the only other thing I want to say about the air power is, please, they should have called it apple juice. I'm sorry, was that supposed to be funny? Like, dad jokes? Come on. Come on, Adam. That's not a dad joke. I mean, maybe. Maybe a dad joke. but that That's definitely dad joke area. Come on. Whenever a dad tells, tells a dad joke, I the only thing I laugh at is when we say it to kids, right? And the kids just roll their eyes, hard eye roll. Uh, there's actually a really funny dad jokes thing between Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, where they read it just dad jokes. Um, I'll throw a link there, but I've seen this. Yes, we, we yeah, it was, that was pretty good. Like, because you know they have the whole Daddy's Home movie, and yeah, man, like they were going back and forth, and it's like if they get the other one to laugh, like then it's a point. Yeah, yeah, and good. oh man, I, I I wish I could you know just remember this, some some of them off the top of my head. Maybe I'll pull it up and then we'll we'll run through some of them later. But uh, anyway, yet again off topic. See, I told you, man, like me driving this car is not a good idea, right? Like I'm just cutting corners and I'm like going all <laughs> over the place. I'm like, this looks like a road, right? We can go down here, right? So anyway, you turn back to where we are. Uh, so I, I can say my most recent purchase was definitely online because it was on eBay where we bought the action sleeves. So yay! So I, and I think. 
if I had to go back and say, what was the last thing I actually bought in a physical store? Like, I really have to go back. Like, I have to start thinking, you know, and I would say, you know, my wife's iPhone 10, but we ordered that online and just picked it up in the store, right? So the last time I actually went to a store and bought something was probably when I went to Home Depot over the holidays to fix the uh, the washing machine, just the water lines to the washing machine because one of them was leaking. So that's my last physical store trip. And this is excluding like gas and food and stuff like that, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Consumables, I don't, I don't really count, right? Like, Got it. I mean, okay. Just, just want to clarify, make sure I'm on the same page. Yeah, right. Like, I just Grubhub everything. You know, <laughs> I don't. I, I never leave. You know, <laughs> my my house. I just have everything delivered to my door, which I'm sure some people do. And I mean, can you imagine like being, you know, in your 20s, single, just not ever having to like leave the house? Like, awesome. Sign me up right now. So, when we talk about you know brick and mortar and these businesses that are shaking up. I, I saw, Lou, I know you added this in the outline Like as soon as we basically brought up this uh, the show topic was Amazon, right? And I put in parentheses like, well, Amazon is the end of everything because Amazon is a behemoth and they have their hands in just about every cookie jar. Um, anything from storage with Amazon S3 to obviously online shopping uh, to grocery, entertainment with Amazon Music and Amazon Video. They have books with Kindle, uh, photo storage, I saw. And I just looked at a link to all of the benefits of Prime. And, you know, a Prime subscription with Amazon gets you tons and tons of stuff. Um, We even have a rewards card with Amazon where basically we have a line of credit through, you know, a bank. But if we use it on Amazon, we get cash back. And that just ties me into Amazon even more. So I know you put in here that Amazon, you know, the grocery requires another subscription. But People are throwing money at Amazon just to be included in this, you know, this kind of realm of everything they have to offer. And they just, they have so much control over this stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Amazon is incredibly lucrative. And I think they're probably the single most um, sort of looked over thing that I think they offer is... I mean, everybody knows Prime. I think that's kind of like the give me there. And like, if you're in Prime, you're you're great. Um, but their um, their patent application that they still hold for like the single click to buy. Like, talk about convenience. There are so many people that are quote unquote old that you know it's like they they get on Amazon and they get all their you know stuff locked in one time and then they can just like go around and one click to buy one click to buy and you know lo and behold it just shows up on their doorstep um they don't need to worry about you know passwords and all the rest of that because they've they're they're signed in and their address is there and they don't have to repeat all that and that stuff is just sticky i think for people and consumers yeah i mean you're you're taking all of the friction out of buying something and it removes any hesitation right like when you just click a button and it's there, you might have some initial apprehension of actually clicking that button, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. And there's less things to stop you from reconsidering, just ordering something. Like you go on Amazon, something looks good. You're like, Hmm, that's actually really cheap right now. And you just buy it with one click, you know, since there's no concept of like a cart, there's no reviewing an order. It's just like, you just bought that. And I totally forgot that they had a patent on this, but yeah, like, that the whole one click buying that Amazon had, right, definitely shoehorned a lot of people into their ecosystem and 
the more you buy, the more convenient you find to buy things on Amazon. Like most recently, I just started buying all my car parts on Amazon because I used to go to a, an actual like, you know, O'Reilly Auto Parts or insert name of auto parts dealer here. And I used to buy parts for the cars when I'd work on them. And then after one experience of going to a store, them not having something, them having to order something, them ordering the wrong part, and basically having it be a, a whole week ordeal, I went on Amazon, found the thing, you know, it was the right fit for the car. I ordered it. It was half the price of the, you know, the the actual like retail store. And they shipped it to me in two days. And it was the right part. And I installed it. And I didn't have to worry about any of it. So yeah, it's it was really great to not have any friction. And now I just order all my car parts through Amazon because I know it will get to my door in two days and I don't have to worry about someplace having it in stock or not. But like you said, they're they're everywhere and they do everything. Like I have a Kindle, I have books on it. Uh, the only thing I don't do is uh, grocery, but we've actually looked at that a couple times. Right? It's like, hey, you know, we wouldn't buy all of our groceries through Amazon fresh, but it might be nice to, you know, just have like some things delivered all the time, right? Like all the stuff that we know we don't have to like pick out, right? More of the package stuff. It's like, sure, like send that to my house. Like I want, you know, like canned sparkling water every, you know, two weeks, like sign me up for that. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's safe to say, Adam, you have a Prime subscription then? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so I, I kind of counter you then. I don't have one. <laughs> um, I I sort of am the very frugal Amazon customer in the sense that, like, I always select the, sure, just ship it to me in five to seven days. I don't really need it now, now. Um, Two-day shipping is lucrative. I've been a Prime customer in the past. If I was going to be a Prime customer again, the only day I would sign up was I would time my renewal with um, Prime Day in July because it's like $79 for Prime and I would buy it on that day and then I would just like cancel every year and rebuy it on Prime Day <laughs> um, just to save the 20 bucks because why not? Um, I don't probably use it enough because it's just me and that's the biggest thing that that deters me away from it. Um, there'll be a day where I got a family and there's tons of packages coming, but, um, I would say I would probably use it twice to maybe three times a month max, which for me, I buy maybe one or two things a month on Amazon right now. And to get them in five to seven days is totally fine. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? Like for us, you know, with the family, we definitely order a lot of stuff through Amazon. Um, mostly, like I said, from sheer convenience and just the the amount of selection that you have. So I, I guess Amazon kind of like, they, they made a name for themselves in this space, right? Being an online retailer that sold just about everything, right? Uh, and they had no physical presence for the longest time, right? Like there was not an Amazon store that you could go to, to, to pick up something, right? It was just online. And now you see, you know, they're starting to experiment with, you know, going into some physical locations, like having, you know, a, a grocery store that you can go into or a store where you take stuff off shelves and it knows what you bought. And then you walk out and, you know, charge your account and then you go on with your life. And you've seen like Amazon bookstores like pop up too. Right. But a Amazon's not the only one around, right there. There are other people uh, in the space as well, but there's also retailers that are online that started with a physical presence. So once again, these kind of bigger names come to mind, like Target definitely has like a bigger online scene. Walmart, ew, gross. They also have a, a pretty big, you know, online scene. Costco 
you put in here Jet, which I'm not even familiar with Jet. What what is Jet? So Jet is like um, it kind of seemed like a big box version, like Costco, of a online only um, shipping you know option. So basically, you can buy all your kind of toiletries, your you, you know like anything you could buy in in Costco, I would say, and like big box options. You can um, buy through Jet, and they have no physical presence. They're kind of like an Amazon in that way. Um, but you can, um, I, as I understand it, there's no membership required, which I thought was interesting. So it's, it kind of puts them in a almost a totally separate league in the sense that they don't have a physical presence, um, but they also don't have a online um, membership paywall. Um, they just have minimums that you have to meet. And I think... If I recall correctly, Jet partnered with Walmart um, most recently to kind of help them out with some of their online stuff. They're like fulfilling some of their orders, I think, now. Yeah, I guess that's the thing too, right? Is like when you have these people that specialize in online, they're all about just fulfillment of orders and shipping, and that's what they specialize in. And physical retailers, you know, their, their priorities are very different, right? Like they need to get stuff in front of people and you know, they need to make sure that they have enough stuff on hand for this or for that. And that they're actually driving people in and out. So I, I guess the set of priorities is different, but um, I'm looking at their website right now and I'm kind of going through it. So I had never heard of them. So it's kind of interesting, you know, to, to see that. But so we, we have all these retailers and they have a physical presence and that's where a majority of their business was done. But now they're starting to move more to kind of their online. Like you said, Walmart is kind of like tapping these this other company, Jet, to help them out with you know fulfilling these online orders because it's not their specialty. So I know a lot of these places, like you can buy stuff online or better yet, usually you know to get it faster because like I said, Amazon will ship you something in two days. These guys will ship you something in usually the five to seven range. Or to try to get a little bit quicker, they'll ship it to their store. So... Then you have, okay, I can order something online. I can ship it to the store. They'll have it ready. I go in the store and I pick it up, right? Is that ever something that you've done, Lou? Definitely. And I mean, from the economics side, I think it is the much more lucrative option for the retailer. In what in what aspect? What do you mean? Well, I, I mean, so it's, it's much more lucrative for a retailer, um, like a Target, a Walmart, or any one of those to ship one semi to a store that's packed full of, you know, I don't know, it could be 20,000 individual orders or, you know, I'm just making up a number here and it gets to that store. And then all those orders have individual people come to that location and pick it up. Then it, it would be to go ahead and say, okay, we're going to have 20,000 individual packages, you know, have to go into UPS and then go out for delivery to every one of those individual houses. Um, so it's a lot cheaper, I think, for them um, to, as far as that quote unquote last mile of transaction, um, the cost is a lot higher than it is to just ship one semi that they can, you know, pay a flat rate for, if, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely cost less, right? Like you said, to, to ship to their store rather than to ship to a home because Dealing with the home, you know, you have to deal with, obviously, the last mile is a little more expensive to get to a doorstep than just to a giant warehouse. Um, but I, I don't know, like, I put this question here is like, is the, the online ship to store option just kind of a stopgap for now? Or is that just a way to say like, hey, like, this is still more cost effective for us. And 
it's still a way to get you to order something online, but you still have to come into our store. And I understand all the reasons that you'd want to get someone to come into your store, right? Because if you're in the store, you might buy something that you weren't considering buying, right? Like you go through and you start adding stuff to your shopping cart and you see something like on an end cap, you're like, oh, cool, look, this is on sale. And you toss it in your cart, right? I get the whole kind of, you know, effect of being around something and, you know, being influenced by that. But to me, I, I feel like the whole ship to store option, the fact that that is a, is a quicker option they're just trying to get like postpone having to ship directly to people. Cause I think that is eventually what people will want. Like it's much more convenient to have something shipped to you than to have to, you know, have something shipped to the store, get notified when it's at the store and then drive to the store to go get it. I, I feel like the ship to store is just kind of a stopgap. So, I, I mean, I, I have to agree. It drags people in. It, it, you know, turns the, the sales more. So I definitely get where you're coming from that way. Um, I think in a perfect world, what this would look like a little bit more for me would be that, you know, stores wouldn't have a, a, you know, product in them, but instead if you ordered something from target and you ordered something from Costco and you ordered something from jet and you ordered something from, you know, Amazon, maybe in some future time, essentially it would, it, it would kind of function like a giant post office and just all your packages would would collect at this one location and, and you would come there and um, you'd pick them up there. And that way, you know, it's, it cuts down on that last mile um, side of the equation for the retailer. Um, but you still get most of the benefit for you, you know, where essentially they're not picking up that whole tab that way. And you go to one convenient location and pick up all your packages. You're saying everyone would have to just drive by FedEx after work to go pick up their stuff and FedEx closes at seven and you get off work at six 30. So you're racing to get to FedEx nope. because their package is there. Something, I mean, something along the lines of, you know, I mean, hopefully these centers would need to operate similar to ours. Like, I mean, I'm not saying Walmart's open like 24 seven. I'm not saying you need to go that crazy, but like, you know, I think target has pretty reasonable hours in most neighborhoods. I think they're open to like 10 PM and, and they, uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you on the whole, like, some of these, uh, you know, shippers, like, UPS is the, like, offender in my area. It's like, they're open from, like, I want to say from 9 to 1, closed from 1 to 2, and then they open again from 2 to 5. I'm like, okay, how do I get a job there, and what do you pay? Like, <laughs> like that just sounds like a nice, cush job. Yeah, just the hours for UPS, but I mean... At- UPS works pretty hard during the holidays too, so I don't want to knock you know anything that they're doing. But I'm not saying the workload is not hard. But yeah, the, the hours for a UPS store are are kind of are kind of interesting, right? And same with FedEx, right? Yeah, like they they close early, too early for me because most of the stuff that I would need to go to FedEx or UPS for are after I get out of work. So that's when they kind of need to operate for me. Exactly, and that's why I don't understand that they they. I feel like they should understand more that most of the people that are going to come to there to pick up a package or to drop off a package or to do any of that are going to come at the odd hours. You know, they're, they're the before work crowd and the after work crowd. And so it would make more sense to me if their hours were from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. and from, you know, I don't know, 4 p.m. until 8 p.m. That would make way more sense to me. But, you know, whatever. I don't run the business. Someone, someone, somewhere has that figured out. Hopefully, right? That's all we can hope. I hope so. Uh, there's definitely probably a contact form you could fill out. 
we love customer feedback. Fill out this form and let us know. So kind of on the topic of, of UPS, right? So you mentioned, you know, how ship to store is definitely more cost effective. And the other thing we have to think about is with all these, all this, these shipments kind of going here and there, and the more stuff that is shipped online, what does that mean for the long-term effects on the environment? If we're basically having all these cars driving all over the place, shipping to home, is that going to be more of an effect on the environment or less depending on where we have to drive to get to a retailer? I mean, I think this really is something we're going to have to wait and see. I don't know that it's going to be answerable now um, because there's so much happening with that last mile shipment right now. I mean, what Amazon's looking at drones and there's, there's, you know, electric vehicles coming out. There's just, there's so much ripe stuff happening in that area right now. And I mean, well, Tesla's coming out with a, you know, a semi now. So there's a lot happening. Don't get me wrong. Um, you just start to add up though that, you know, if, if a, if somebody has to drive, you know, some distance to get to the closest store, and then there's, say, even just 500 packages in that semi, which I think is a pretty low number, and then you go ahead and you, you know, multiply it. Okay, each one of those 500 has to be driven around another two or three miles. I mean, there's an additional, you know, 1,500 miles easily, easily, very conservatively, of driving around that happens just to get those packages to their last mile, you know, to, to the doorstep. And so all that pollution over time happening on a day in day out basis, is going to be huge. So there's some big implications and problems to solve in that space. And um, I'm certainly not probably the one that's going to end up solving them at all, but I, I think it's a, a question to, to definitely ask. But I think the other thing to keep in mind too, is the convenience of ship to home means you don't have to drive to the store. So you're talking about taking one car, yes, it's the last mile, right? So instead of going straight to the store and that being it, right, now you have it going to a another carrier and them finishing the last mile, delivering out everywhere. But let's say you have one mail car driving around all day, you know, to get to wherever it needs to go versus, you know, let's say 50 to 100 people for the packages that they're delivering for the day each driving out, granted not all, not all at the same time, but each driving out to different locations, depending on where the retailer is at any given time of day, probably causing more traffic, which would probably lead to, let's say, more just sitting pollution, like the longer you have to get there. I'd like, I, I feel like there's someone out there who has done the math for this. So if you're listening, please like send those results to us so we don't sound like idiots, you know, talking about this and speculating. But I, I think having it's easier to also renovate like one fleet, right? So if UPS or uh, let's say the postal service, whatever it is delivering that last mile, it's easier for them to say like, Hey, you know what? We upgraded all of our fleet to, you know, clean energy vehicles, or we upgraded all of this to clean energy vehicles. That's much easier to do for them versus relying on every person who's going to be driving to the store to pick up their shit to, you know, have a clean, you know, emissions vehicle. So I, I think, Long-term effects on the environment, like you said, yeah, who who knows, right? We can speculate all you all we want, but I, I tend to think that someone driving to your house to deliver something is going to be less than me getting in a car and driving to a retailer along with, let's say, maybe 10 other people around the same time before they close to get my stuff and then drive back, right? 
it's probably much more efficient for a, a truck to route where it needs to go and just do that route in the most efficient way possible and drop off all its shit rather than me take this really inefficient route to drive where I need to go, turn around, drive all the way back to my house and That's after fair. picking up my stuff. That's fair. And obviously, I mean, these shipping companies have worked out crazy efficient ways of doing this. So, um, you know, they, they definitely know what they're doing and have a lot of data. So uh, I think that's a fair point. So long-term question or long-term environment, who knows? We don't. All, all I know is I'm trying to manage my carbon footprint, right? Like, like I, I just want to, you know, fart less. So I'm not causing, you know, all of these gases to go. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, right. You're welcome. So... With all of these online retail retailers, right, uh, it kind of brings up, like you said, this this concept of the end of retail, right, uh, or the end of retail as we knew it, right. Uh, so, with with that question, why is retail dying, right, or why would we consider this being the end of retail? Like these these big online retailers, why is that ending physical retail stores? Um, I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing is um, there's there's a couple things to be written down here, but a, a price is the bigger one that comes out for me. Um, and two, I think the biggest thing that irks me is uh, availability. And nothing more pisses me off than like going to a store and you expect something to be there and it's gone or they can't find it. And, you know, it says they've got like five in stock and nobody can figure out where it is um, because they don't have their shit together. Inventory's not in line, whatever. Um, I know, Adam, this one's probably really big for you because I know you said you use the wire cutter reviews. I'm sure you use reviews a lot. Yeah. So, and I, and I put these in there too, right? Uh, I can echo your sentiment about availability though, because I'll say this is when I was trying to buy my Nintendo switch, right? Right after they became available, it was like a mad rush to get these things. Right. So everyone was trying to go online and then they were sold out everywhere online. So it's like, okay, well, I can't now comfortably, you know, shop for this thing from my couch in my underpants or in my pajamas, right? I actually, I have to actually like go out and try to hunt for this thing myself. So in doing that, it was like, all right, well, let's check, you know, GameStop. So we go to GameStop, you know, before they open, right? There's a line forming outside. I sit in line and then they're like, oh, we only have one. So the one person who was in front of us, you know, like they get the Nintendo Switch and we're stuck trying to go find somewhere else. And then you're like, oh, hey, so-and-so might have it. So you call so-and-so and you say, oh, hey, do you guys have, you know, Nintendo Switch? It's like, oh yeah, we just got a shipment in. And then you get there and then they're gone. So nothing is worse than trying to find a product by driving to a physical retailer and finding out that that product is not there. So that I think is a big part of the reason why just physical retail is kind of losing this, this battle. And I mean, you can obviously see where, you know, my allegiances lies. I'm I'm very much on the online side, but the physical retail is losing this because of availability. So a lot of these big retailers, because they may not have something in stock and there's no easy way to tell, like you can check, you know, stock of in-store items online for the most of the time, but like I said, my Nintendo Switch, I'll use that as my experience, you know, my kind of threshold. And that was not fun. I mean, my wife can attest to this because I had her on missions every day trying to find a Nintendo Switch. And in the end, I, I ordered it online. <laughs> I ended up ordering it from, from Walmart because they had it available. And I got it shipped to my house. But 
So availability being a big, you know, I, I agree with that one. Definitely something that's causing them to die. Uh, to kind of touch on reviews, uh, I I like looking at reviews. Like you mentioned the wire cutter, right? Like I, I love getting an idea of what the product is going to do for me by reading all these reviews rather than just reading the box itself at a retail store, right? I'd rather hear from someone who's opened the box, who's messed around with the product. And like we said, with the Qi charger we just got, it's we got that based off reviews. And there are certain things, you know, like maybe if I saw the look and feel of it, you know, that would change my mind. But I think you get a lot more aggregate reviews from these bigger retailers online where you have a lot more, just a lot more data to kind of influence or, you know, make an informed decision. So I definitely think reviews are kind of playing into that as well. And I think it's important to point out that you and I are are people that probably shop online or, or, you know, use the internet to look at reviews quite a lot, you know, when we look at products. And so we definitely know how to read through reviews and, and get what we want out of them, you know, because any section of reviews is going to have the super positive, the super negative, And we kind of, I, I assume you're like me, Adam, you kind of throw the really super positive out and you throw the super negative out and you kind of really kind of dive into who, who is, uh, you know, kind of in the middle and what are they saying? And I kind of glance at the super positive and glance at the super negative just so I can make sure I'm not missing anything. And then I really look at like kind of the skew, you know, is, is it, um, especially like Amazon does this really well, like 65% of people rated this four stars, um, you know, 12% of it rated five. And, you know, it, it, it shows you the distribution, which is really important, I think. Yeah, for for the most part, um, I like to read the the most positive review and the most negative review, and try to find one of those that has some meat to it, because like two and three stars, you know, or whatever threshold they have for rating, like you can look at those, but they're going to be people who kind of liked it, kind of didn't like it. But I want to see what people love about it, and I want to see what people hate about it, and. If any of those things are things that I either really love or really hate, that will influence my decision more than someone who's like, eh, it's an okay product, like it does what it needs to do, blah, blah, blah. Like I'd rather see like people say like, oh, I love this product because it does this, it does this, it does this, and I hate this product because it does this and it doesn't do this and it doesn't do this. I, I'd rather see basically the the ends of the spectrum so I can come to my little conclusion in the middle, right? So I can give it my not five star, not one star I can give it my two and a half to, you know, 3.3 to 4.5 star review. I love your like decimal ratings. Yeah. Right. I'm just kind of all over the place with my, uh, with my dot stars. I'm, I'm glad uh, you, I, you, you're going to like rate something on Amazon. Like this is a 3.43 specifically. Yeah. You carry it out to, you know, a couple, a couple decimal places. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, that's the thing too, right? I, I, I'm not a big fan of surveys and like I, I had an opportunity to fill out a survey not too long ago. And it's hard for me to give something like the highest rating on a survey because like, I don't know, like, was the experience I had the best experience ever? Like, I, maybe, but I, I don't know. Like, I can say it, it's it's really hard to have me give someone a five-star review. So <laughs> anyone who sends me a survey is going to be like, if I give you five stars, like, you did an awesome job. And that's the thing. It's just, I'm not one to throw out, like, just a, a positive review for for nothing so that's why when i look at these reviews right 
probably where I'm at is somewhere in the middle ones, right? That's why I kind of weed those out. I'm like, well, that's already what I'm going to think. So I don't want to like rehash my same, you know, or just read reviews I would have written on my own, right? Because the people in there are going to be most like me. I'd, I'd rather see, you know, like I said, the, the ends. So the people who really, really loved it and who really, really hate it. And like I said, you have to find like the meat in, in that substance because, eh, you know, it, it's tough to do. So those are all the things I think we mentioned. So let's just rehash convenience uh, of online shopping. Uh, the price most of the time is cheaper uh, in online shopping because they don't have to deal with a physical presence or uh, a lot of, the, you know, the manpower that goes with, you know, hiring or having a full staff on hand for a physical location. Availability, right? Being able to tell someone if something is available and being able to ship that from physically anywhere to get to the person is a big plus there. And then reviews. So if we had to, you know, throw all those together, I'd definitely say those are some of the reasons that retail is is dying. <laughs> so do you agree with that? Is that a pretty succinct list for you to to get on board with? Yeah, I'm on board with that. So the question that kind of go, goes next or follows this is, well, what will keep retail alive? So we kind of threw in some things here, like some things that retail has over, over, let's say, online or things that retail does better. So I put in here like comparison shopping or window shopping or like try before you buy as some examples. But do you have any others that you'd like to kind of throw out there? Yeah, I mean, some of these kind of dovetail off of what you're already mentioning here. But um, I think about like experiences or or, um, you know, just being able to like touch and feel. And so um, I tend to think about, you know, things like, um, uh, you know, like a company like Bose does this, you know, they're kind of a high end retailer. And, but I don't know, have you ever been in a Bose store, Adam? You like, you go into like a theater in their store and they like, they, you know, want to show you like in a perfectly tuned room, like what the their home theater setup is going to sound like, and, and you really get, you know, that quote unquote experience. And, and that sort of thing I think is what retail may um, turn into more. So you, you may see less shelves with product on it and more experiences that hopefully drive sales of the product itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think showrooms, right? And this is kind of like the window shopping or comparison shopping or try before you buy. Showrooms are definitely a huge benefit um, to a retail location, right? Like being able to go in, see something, hear something, feel something, right? Before you actually like throw your hard-earned money down to buy it is is invaluable, right? Like you, you feel much better about knowing what it is. And I have been in a Bose store before, and it's very interesting, right? Where it's like, hey, you know, try on these headphones. Or, hey, you want to look at home theater? This is the home theater system we have here. You know, you want to play something? Like, let's play something. Like, this is what it would sound like. And, yeah, sit in this chair, you know. Here, we'll turn on this movie. Like, it's a movie you've seen before, so you should know kind of, like, what this is. And Everything's tuned and everything's set up. And there are people there who know exactly what's going on. I think that's another thing, too, right? Is like you have, like, professionals there that, you know, Basically, it's their job to know about what this is, right? Much like I'm kind of relying on Wirecutter to test all these products, like this person may know about a lot of the product that I'm looking at, right? So granted, they, they may not steer me towards, you know, another product. They want to steer me towards their product, but they should know the ins and out of that product. And if I ask them questions, they should be able to answer them right then and there. So 
I think the showroom demonstration uh, type aspect of, of retail is is definitely something that is going to to stick around for a long time. And you can see that now even with like online places, right? Like Amazon, they have like little pop-out stores for like the books and for Amazon Echo and things like that, where it's like you can come here and you can try all this stuff, but really this is just to get your foot in the door. And then once your foot's in the door, everything else you do with them is going to be online. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I think, where the industry is headed. Um, I think we'll see. Showrooms is a really good word for it, I, I, Adam. I, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. And the most interesting thing to me is that Bose has really been doing that for as long as I can recall. I mean, like, it's probably been 10 years, 15 years at least, that I, you know, have walked into a Bose store over. And they're their retail you know, presence really hasn't changed that much. It's always been come in, try it on, sit down, you know, check out the home theater and, you know, they do what they do well. And that's why they, I think they have survived so far. I just think we're going to start to see other retailers do more and more of that. And you're going to see, you know, less and less of that product and more and more like test drive stuff. And when you test drive it, You'll fall in love with it and you'll buy it. So that's the thing, right? So car de- car dealerships is something we mentioned, you know, at the top of the show. And uh, Tesla is a big example, right? Like you go to a Tesla dealership and they let you drive the cars, but most of the time after that, you're submitting your order online and you're custom ordering and custom building a car for you. And you're doing that online. Like you're doing that last mile thing. And really the only reason that Tesla store is there is to have you look in, you know, feel the car and drive the car and then do your buying online or order the car from from them. But I'm sure if they would say, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, you don't have to drive the car, like, just order it online, which you can do if you want to. So I, I think, like you said, it's something that's been around. It, it, the concept of a showroom is not new. It's what most retailers did. And I think it works if if you have an established brand, right? If you're someone who has been, you know, known in the industry for a long time, like you're like a Bose or you're like a Tesla, right? Like they've already made a name for themselves just being in this business um, or any other like high end type type store. You're going to have a showroom presence just because people are going to recognize the name. I, I think the interesting thing is when you get to people who haven't, you know, made a name for themselves yet, right? And we've mentioned this a couple times in terms of like social and things like that, but being online is a great way to build a business and it's a really easy way to get in front of a lot of people. Like, you know, we, we have this podcast, you know, and it can reach a, a wide amount of people and, you know, very far reaching without a lot of effort, right? Like we don't have a physical presence, right? We just have a website and all the traffic comes in from there. Right. And you just kind of put out feelers here and there. But I think for, for retailers, the only ones that are going to be able to stick around in this, are, are going to be like these big showrooms. Like you said, it's not going to really be retail at that point. Yeah. It's, it definitely isn't going to be the retail. I think we, we know today, you know, where there's just large, large clusters of, you know, malls with, you know, hundreds of little shops in them, because a lot of the little guys probably won't be here. And the big brands that can afford that showroom feel will remain. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that is kind of keeping retail alive is uh, a lot of communities, like some communities would prefer smaller businesses, kind of like the mom and pop shops, uh, rather than a large retailer to come in, right? So that's 
in a sense, keeping a form of retail alive, but it's, it's not really keeping, I guess, the spirit of retail alive, right? When you talk about these, these smaller shops that are very specialized, you know, that have only a physical location, it's like a community may give them kind of, you know, more incentive or a lot of people will, you know, just like citizens of a community will say like, I don't want giant retailer, you know, to build a location here. Like I remember our, our rental, you know, down in Southern California, they were talking about putting a Walmart in, you know, like pretty close to the freeway exit for us. And like, there was a large uproar. It's like, Hey, we don't want a giant retailer right next to all of our, our housing. Um, because it, you know, it attracts a lot of, a lot of just foot traffic, people traffic, and, you know, people don't want that. Like people don't want that as close to them. So I think it's interesting just kind of how a community can really kind of affect if a retailer will be successful or not. And kind of how some will foster like the large retailer coming in. Like, yeah, I'd love to have, you know, a giant convenience store right next to my house. And others are like, no, 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 get that as far away from me as possible. I'd rather have, you know, a locally owned, locally sourced, like private little mom and pop shop versus a giant convenient, you know, store. Does that make sense? No, that that totally makes sense. It's funny because I think most people, if the giant convenience store is built, um, you know, or the big box retail store, whatever you want to call it is built, they're going to take advantage of it. The convenience of it being there is, is great for them. Probably they're, Nine times out of ten, most people are just going to go to it once it's there. They just don't like the idea of the foot traffic and everything else that it brings with it, of course. And, you know, I think where we see a lot of this adversion to large retailers is, you know, small towns or, or you know, I would say the middle chunk of the country. You know, I'd say that the two coasts are, are pretty like, hey, man, we live in metropolitan areas large retailers are kind of good. They, they bring good things for us because mom and pop really can't, you know, bring what we need. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want to say it's like a, a coastal thing. I mean, it may be a, a larger, you know, city thing, but I mean, most of the stuff here, like when we go to, to like Santa Cruz, let's say is there's not a lot of, of retailers, like big retailers close together, right? It's, it's, it's a lot more of these smaller specialty shops um, that have occupied the, these spaces, which is, which is really nice. You know, like I love going to, you know, like downtown and like just browsing and you might see a couple names that you recognize, but a lot of it is just, you know, a local shop. And there's a lot of kind of nice things about that. You're, you're supporting, you know, a local business, which is great because, you know, these people are competing against Amazon. So, and they're just trying to, you know, make a living. So it's nice to know that. And a lot of times, like, they are kind of experts in their field and you can go to them for questions. And if it's close by, sure. But I totally get your point where it's like, Hey, you know, if there's a target that's, you know, two miles from my house, like, Oh, awesome. You know, we can go to target at any given time. Right. I I can't tell you how many times it's been, Oh, we need to get insert name of obscure object here that a big name retailer will probably have. Oh, we need to get that. And it's, you know, eight o'clock at night somewhere. Mom and pop is likely closed because they have lives, right? Like, they need to go be with their families. But big name retailer has, you know, a staff of 100 and something people, you know, working at any given time. So you can go there all hours of the day and get whatever you need to. And yeah, that, that convenience is going to trump the smaller shop. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, where where you live is a, um, 
probably the biggest context you have for this sort of a question as to whether you prefer large or small and uh, whether you think, you know, how retail will evolve because it very much is, you know, where you live. If you're in New York, it's very different than if you're in, you know, Santa Cruz. For sure. Yeah, it's very dependent on the community and kind of where your surroundings are. Just like you said, the people that that are around and all that good, all that good, juicy stuff. So in, in terms of retail ending, I saw you threw this in there, which is will retail end or is it going to go to more of like a hybrid approach um, like what they have with Amazon lockers everywhere? So you kind of, you know, touched on this, I, I think a little bit when we talked about a distribution center, right, where everything gets shipped to the distribution center and everyone goes there to pick up their stuff. So are, are you thinking of, like this hybrid feature where let's say you buy everything online and it goes to these lockers and there are just these lockers everywhere for convenience sake, right? So there's a locker location in, in every, every city and, or within, you know, at least 10 miles from your house, there's a a locker place. Is that kind of what you were getting at? So, I mean, I was kind of taking that to an extreme where you could be like, there's lockers literally everywhere. There's lockers at your work. There's lockers on the corner of your street, you know, that replace your mailbox. There's lockers at, you know, your wife's work. There's lockers, um, you know, down the street at the CVS. You could basically shop on Amazon and tell it to put it in any locker that you are, you know, that, that is, you know, where is it most appropriate? In other words, if you are sitting at home, Adam, and you're like, dang, I need that one thing for work. And you buy it on Amazon and you put it in the locker at work and it gets shipped to work because that's most appropriate instead of it coming home. Um, and you know, it just gets stored in a locker there for you. So I don't know. I think that might be an interesting model and one that could potentially take over, but we'll see. So just like mass amounts of dead drops everywhere, right? Just you want to buy, you know, a fresh pair of underwear for someone, like you just have that fresh pair of underwear, you know, put it in a locker close to where they are. I was like, oh man, I'm out of toilet paper, but there's a locker right outside this airport bathroom. You know, <laughs> just have a <Yep>. ship <laughs> everywhere. So lockers, lockers everywhere, or better yet, like let's just get those like pneumatic tubes, right? Those clear tubes that, you know, the banks and stuff used to use and like large buildings used to transport mail. Let's just get those everywhere. Right. So you just order something and this just giant suction, you know, just sucks it up and delivers it to wherever you are. That'd be so great. Uh, although there would be some hard objects, like can you ship my mattress through that tube? I don't know if you can do that. Hey, man, you, you see what they're doing with memory foam mattresses these days? Like they compress them down pretty small to fit in a box. And like, granted, that's a lot of mass, you know, going through there. It's a lot of weight, but I don't know. I think if you got it big enough, right? Maybe there are different size tubes. So Those it's like <laughs> Casper mattresses just dropping from the sky. <laughs> yeah, going. You just see like through this giant tube, just or you see like. Three drones, you know, like just have them all strapped to it, you know, like just hovering over a spot and then just dropping it. Drops oh, a California King right on your doorstep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the mailman has to do, but God, the mailman, we don't want to throw out his back or anything. Like if he has to deliver eight Casper mattresses, like make the robots do it. Yeah. But the mailman has like tools. Like if it's like, he probably has a, um, you know, a dolly, a dolly or like, yeah. or like one of those little like flatbed things that you can. Throw I'm telling around. you, man, you still got to get it on the dolly. You know, like. Oh my god, they have wheels. This is why they make it. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. easy to work on. It's a tool. But it's in the back of a truck, man. I mean, like some of the trucks are small. They don't have that great pneumatic lift, you know, like (laughs) refrigerators are probably the worst, right? Like if you've ever had like appliances shipped to your house, like, yeah, refrigerators and washing machines uh, and and dryers and such. Oh man, those are bad. That's another thing where it's not really a showroom. You just go to, you know, this place to look at all these washers and dryers. Like, yeah, I think that'll fit in my place. You know, like, I guess that makes sense. Like, can you show me how it works? Like, do you have a test load of laundry I can do? Like, <laughs> exactly. You're like, uh, can you show me how it washes the dishes? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I have no clue whether it does it good or bad. And you're just like reading, you know, bullet points on the thing. Like, oh yeah, it's got 26 cycles. Don't worry. <laughs> the most helpful thing on that is the the Energy Star like rating. You're like, oh, it only cost me seventeen dollars a year to run this fridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. that one costs nineteen dollars. Oh, I don't want to pay two dollars more a year for that fridge right and meanwhile you get it home and it like doesn't do what you want you're like i should have paid the two dollars more a year per year yeah i should have paid that fraction of a cent per day damn it i'm so stupid if i only would have read the wire cutter review (laughs) all right so that's that's a good point right like the the lockers everywhere so hyper hyper accurate shipping locations right where it's not still shipped to home it's shipped to a massive place, but there are just so many of those massive places around. So I could see that potentially happening too, because Amazon already has like lockers, you know, that, you know, you can go to and it doesn't serve just one person. It serves, you know, a bunch of different people. And like you said, as long as you can pick a, a location that's convenient enough for you, like why not? Yep. Seems like it would be a positive win for everybody. Cool. So retail, is it living? Is it dying? Like, eh, you know, there are kind of arguments for both sides, but if we talk about like what this all means, right? Like we, we've been talking about this for a little while now. So what's, what's the real life impact, right? We talked about how it's going to affect our, our shopping habits here and there, but what does it do to culture and society, right? If we have this mass shift of online versus physical retail, right? Which we're kind of talking about now, that's where it's, where it's heading towards is we're doing a lot more shopping online. So what does that mean for, for us as individuals? Uh, and I kind of have this as like one side and another side, like two sides, one side to each coin or, you know, you know what I'm trying to get at. So as far as like the social aspect of things, right? If, if everything's online, I can picture everyone being antisocial, like hermits that never have to leave their house. Right. I, I kind of mentioned earlier, I was like, Hey man, if I was 20 in my twenties, right. And a new game came out and I had that game shipped to my house. Like, I'm not going to leave that house for, you know, the next three days while I play this game. Domino's Pizza and two liters. Adam yeah, Schreiner. man. And if I can have those delivered, which I can, right? And if I can order that pizza online and I never have to even talk to somebody. Oh, yeah. Great. Totally do that. Also, you can you can watch the pizza they cook now, you know? There's the, like, the pizza progress bar. Oh, the pizza progress bar. I was like, you can actually like, is there like a live feed to like the actual pizza oven? Like, cause I'm more interested in that. <laughs> well, I hope the heads of Domino's are listening now. Cause you could be like, oh yeah, there it is. It's coming out the other end. Perfect. It'll be here in 10 minutes. Yeah, dude. I don't, I don't care about the progress bar. Like, yeah, every shipping thing gives you that, right? I, I get that. But like, no man, if you could give me a live feed of my pizza being made, like that would be awesome, right? Or even just like little snippets of it here and there. Like if I get a notification and it's like, hey, your pizza's being, you know, tossed right now, it's like, oh man, I want to see my pizza though being tossed. You know? So yeah, they, they I want to know how accurate the names are. Cause the names are hilarious. I think it's funny that they include employee names in it. It's like 
Um, I, I you know I, I looked at it one time when I ordered the pizza. It's been it's been a long time since I've ordered one from Domino's, but you know it's like you know Jessica is tossing your pizza. Felipe is quality checking your pizza, and you're like, uh, like really? That everyone has the name. Whose job like, is it for quality assurance of the pizza? Like, <laughs> right. This one has three more pepperonis than it should. Take that out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it was funny. Side sidebar for pizza. Uh, we have a Costco uh, in Santa Cruz that we go to all the time, and Costco has their food court. And the food court at the Costco in Santa Cruz has a viewing window where you can view the food being made. And they make the pizzas there. And let me just tell you that that is actually like a lot of fun to watch because they don't toss the pizza dough. They put it in this machine. It comes out of this like, you know, little Tupperware container, like in a pre-measured amount with a bunch of oil all over it. And they basically put it on this giant press and this big hydraulic press just comes down and presses the pizza out, the pizza dough out. And then you have your pizza. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then they do this other thing where they put it on another machine. And that one's got this big like just hose attached to this nozzle in the middle on this uh this rotary wheel and then it just spins the pizza around and this little uh nozzle just spits you know pizza sauce on it in a perfect circle as it spins around and gets you the perfect amount of pizza sauce and then you have someone who you know puts the cheese and all the other toppings on but that's interesting yeah it's 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 really cool to watch uh remind me sometime like if i ever say like hey i'm going to costco this weekend remind me to get you a video of that because Super fun to watch. I'm sure you can find it online, but like, like you said, watching a pizza get made, I'd much rather watch it get made than like just see a text box of, you know, Jessica, you know, is tossing the pizza dough and, you know, Joe Bob is doing quality assurance on my pizza and so-and-so is delivering my pizza to my door. Like, I don't care about that. I want to see it. So Domino's definitely has something similar to that for the spreader of the cheese. And I think I talked about this before, but basically it just uh, evenly spreads the cheese on the, on the pizza so that there's no excessive amount in any one section. So if we had to talk about like the most important parts of a pizza, right? Like definitely the sauce ratio or the sauce spreading and the cheese spreading is one of them, right? Toppings. I don't know. That's kind of a crapshoot. And depending on the toppings, like it might be just like a bonus to have more toppings in one place, but Dude, if you have globs of pizza sauce or dry sections of a pizza, like that's just not a fun experience for anyone. The the sauce ratio to cheese ratio is definitely important. I I have to agree. It is very important. <laughs> All right, so that that kind of feeds into the whole antisocial thing, right? If if we never have to leave, I mean, more power to us, right? Like we order everything from our house. But kind of a, a pro to that is we just don't have to deal with crazy people, right? Like we may be antisocial, but you, you know you've gone to a retailer and you've seen someone in front of you getting in an argument with you know one of the employees or some crazy thing has happened in a parking lot. And I mean, if we did all our shopping online, we just wouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Although sitting behind a computer screen, you can be pretty ugly with the people on the other end of the computer screen in terms of if you're talking to somebody in customer service, but yeah, we don't have to see it, which is that, that part is really nice <laughs> because I've definitely seen my fair share of that over, over the years. And, and it's something I think we all probably would be better off if we didn't see. For sure. So that, that kind of, I think was the social aspect for me, right? Like you're either really antisocial, but then you don't have to deal with the craziness. Um, the other thing is 
with all this online shopping, right? We we said that there's no like professional opinion, right? So there's no like one person telling you like, oh, hey, you're going to love this because this, right? We kind of have a way to supplement that with reviews, but there's no way for you to go and get a professional opinion, try something out and, and buy it if, you know, you're doing all your shopping online. But in the same vein, there's no bias because there's no one who's there just to like sell you something to, you know, on a commission, right? Or to earn a commission. They're, they're not going to push just one product on you. You kind of have like more selection and less less bias from from anyone. You're making your own informed decision. So that was another thing I threw in there. Anything to add to that? No, I mean I think online leads more to the sort of thing where we can we can have sites like the wire cutter, you know, where there there isn't so much of that bias because a lot of these online outlets can afford to send say one review site. 20 things to try in a given category and say, what do you guys like? You know, and that only benefits the consumer and in all honesty, the, you know, whoever's producing the product at the same time, because they're getting that feedback and they're getting it on such a global scale. So um, I think we're all kind of winners in that when, when we don't have that bias placed in between us and the the product. Yeah. So, and then the other side, right? Like, I don't know. Is is there ever a scenario where you actually like want a professional opinion on something? Like you go to, let's say, a an electronic store. We'll just use that because you know we do tech, right? And you go to the the motherboard section of Fry's. Let's let's just use them as an example, right? Because they have a motherboard section. You're like, hey, I am looking for a gaming machine, Intel based, even you know with all the meltdown stuff happening, with like an Intel based you know gaming motherboard. What what can you tell me about these, right? Uh, is there still room for like a professional opinion on that? And I guess this kind of ties into the showroom thing too, right? Where there are people who specialize in this. Is there still room for this or will this just completely disappear if we just go online only? Yeah. I mean, if we go online only, I think it's going to disappear. And the the problem, I, I think this sort of thing, the the scenario you brought up, the reason that's a problem today is because of how much we've squeezed the labor down to be such a small piece of it. You know, there used to be, you know, those wages were paid at a much higher rate and, you know, people took pride in, you know, the sections of the store they were in and they knew everything about all those products. And when something new came out, they learned about that and they knew the differences, but that just doesn't happen today because those, those jobs are, are, you know, so low paying and, the employee has very little, if any, you know, reason to know, you know, or give his opinion or can he even afford it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a big important thing. And that kind of leads into the next thing is like jobs, 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 right. As our president would say, just jobs, 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 as many as he could fit in the tweet, you know? Um, But I think that's a big thing, right. Is, these jobs that used to be, you know, you could, you could make a living as a salesperson, you know, specializing in whatever. And, and now it's, it's become so kind of cutthroat in, in that kind of market, just because when you can go online and, you know, get a whole bunch of different opinions, like you're not relying on like a person at a store to tell you what you should get. You're more relying on the reviews that you see online and the information you can get from all these various sources. Like that is all like public knowledge now due to the inner the internet. Whereas before, like 
you were always relying on someone else to know about their craft and to kind of convince you and show you what it would do to, or how it would benefit, you know, whatever you're trying to get done, how it would accomplish your, your goal or how it would solve the problem that you're trying to solve. And I think when we go to online only, right, you talk about a large retailer who employs, let's say, you know, 250 to 500 people now is being run by a warehouse that employs 30 robots and maybe, you know, five overseers of the warehouse and, you know, a couple drivers, but, you know, with Tesla, let's say, doing the driving now, and it's all self-driving in a giant, you know, like train style uh, system. I mean, you're, you're talking about losing a lot of, a lot of these jobs that, that used to be very high paying and very, you know, prevalent jobs in the market. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. And, um, you know, over the long term, we'll see where those jobs go because, I mean, people are going to need to work. Let's face that. But um, I, I don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, it's kind of one of the things, right, is like we, we see this trend and you kind of see it. If, if you worked in retail, you kind of see where people are going and how these jobs are going. And, I mean, more customer support is being done online. You know, more more sales are being done online. If you've ever been on a website, you know, and it's like, hey, do you have questions? Chat with so-and-so, right? I mean, I can tell you one thing. I, I used to go to the bank all the time, right, to, you know, deal with tellers and stuff like that. And when we moved away from the bank that we were at, we were at a, a local credit union. They don't have a branch. So most of the interactions I've had with them have been online now, right? So I'm not dealing with someone at a branch anymore. I'm just dealing with someone online. And they may handle, you know, 50 different cases. but if they don't need to put everyone in in a physical place and they can just have one person cover, let's say an entire, you know, region, then that's going to cut some jobs from some, for some people. Yeah, it, it definitely will. And I mean, obviously for the short term, it, it doesn't really seem like it's uh, impacted anything. Um, you know, <laughs> we keep hearing, uh, I think I just heard yesterday, like, you know, the amount of jobs and the unemployment rate is staying about the, the same or, you know, gotten a little better maybe and jobs is still on a uh, number of jobs growth was still on the rise for like, I don't know, it's like some ridiculous amount of months now, it's multiple years, you know. Um, so for the moment, jobs are being created and, uh, you know, we can't speak for the future. But uh, at some point, if retail does go away, it seems like the jobs are going to go down. Well, yeah, if you eliminate a sector, right, then those jobs will definitely <laughs> disappear. Yep, and retail's pretty big, so yeah, it's a pretty it's a it's a decent sized chunk, I'd say. So uh, when when we talk about um, you know the impact in society, I think you know we kind of summed up how our lives with retail kind of go, and as things have trended online, how that's impacted society and culture as it goes. But let, let's talk about the the future of brick and mortar, right? Because I think we've been painting a pretty bleak picture, where it's like, hey, brick and mortar is going away. Uh, so let's kind of dig into that dystopian future a little bit more. So if brick and mortar goes away or stucco in drywall or whatever you want to call it, if that goes away, this, that's a lot of different spaces, right? Like if you have a giant, you know, space allocated for target and it's now gone, what takes up that space? So, I mean, for me, I, I think the, I think the easiest would be, you know, some amount of, um, apartments or, or living, you know, I mean, because 
let's face it, I think more and more people want to live in a metro or a metropolis. And, you know, Adam, you're probably going the other way. You would like to live far away from the people. Um, Get me away from everybody. (laughs) Get me as far out into the woods as you can. Just make sure I at least have internet. (laughs) Yeah, I think the one thing you and I both can't live without is internet. But, um, you know, it's, it's, if you look at the last hundred years, you know, more and more people have moved from seemingly faraway places to more and more uh, metros and live, you know, on top of each other, quote unquote now. And so if retail went away, I think the, the natural thing for people to consider would be like, hey, we can use all this land that, you know, is now available for stimulus for, you know, property. Uh, for people to own an apartment or, you know, or to rent apartments or to, you know, own condos or whatever you want to call it. Um, it I think that would be the, the easy segue, quote unquote. Uh, I know, Adam, you put in here landscaping, though. Yeah, so I, I think it depends on, on where it is, right? So if there's a demand for housing, I absolutely agree. Like, they'll, they'll stack housing all over that. But if there's no need for housing, let's say, let's say it's just an area that not enough people went to, right? Or there wasn't enough population to justify having this, you know, big name retailer here. And they tear that down. Like, what would you like to go there? Like, I would love to see, you know, like a park or some form of landscaping or some other public space, you know, go in there. Because I think, you know, this is for me growing up in a place like we grew up on, you know, three acres of, you know, citrus grove. And I grew up running around all over this stuff. And where I'm at now, like I'm still kind of out in the woods, but once you get into the city, like there's just stuff everywhere. And we talked about this in our, you know, our environmental episode. And it it would be great to kind of like start kind of giving back what we can. Right. I I think as, as we get smarter now, and this kind of goes in with apartments as well, but we're also building smarter. So we're kind of building around the environment and around the landscaping and around what's already there. So I, I think when this stuff goes away, it, it leaves a big hole. And when people fill that, that hole, it, it's, it's interesting for them to, I, I guess, use it wisely. So I would love to see landscaping or some other form of just kind of getting back to nature and not putting just another giant high rise in that space. But that requires, you know, rezoning and a bunch of other things too. So I, I'm not sure kind of what they do with that space, but I think, if retail starts, you know, going the way of the dinosaur, then you're going to have a lot of space to to play with. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that a lot of municipalities are going to have to make big decisions about if it does start to go that way. You know, what are they going to do with those spaces? Because like you said, it's going to require rezoning. Um, but even if they just set aside, you know, portions of the amount of retail space we have now, I mean, the amount of impact that would have, you know, to just have nice green spaces of that size. Oh man, it, it, it would, it would help a lot. I think. Yeah. Just the parking lot alone, right? Like parking lots for these retailers are usually bigger than the actual like retail space. Yeah, definitely. Some of these parking lots are massive. So when we talk about the future of retail, one, one thing, and I think this is something that is going to, to solve a lot of our, some of our initial apprehensions to, you know, something going on or let's say online only and specifically like clothing and apparel or try before you buy. But we touched on this a little bit, but augmented and virtual reality 
they're only going to make things worse for traditional retail, right? I mean, you, you talk about with augmented reality now, seeing how furniture will look in your house or even like you said, Lou, like to clothing's point, like seeing how something will potentially look on you, right? Being able to simulate that in some way is just going to make you less inclined to have to go somewhere, right? Because now the convenience of you trying something on virtually or trying something out is is now just right in front of you. You can do it anytime. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to really go anywhere or do anything. It's just right in front of you. So I think as we see that technology play out, I think retail is going to have a, a large push to get in this because it's going to just drive people to their product. But that just means less people will be going to the physical. You know, more people will just be visiting them at any given time, but through online means. Yeah, I honestly think the, you know, this is, a big area, like one that will, you know, probably drive the knife in retail faster than almost anything. And um, I, Adam, you brought up uh, clothing, and uh, I mean that just sounds like such a fairy tale, you know, fantasy world that <laughs> the way I could just be like, okay, cool, I can see what this shirt would look like on me, and make sure that you know it's the right length or it doesn't seem too, you know, baggy or whatever. And like personally. Um, I mean, I don't mind being like super open. I'm a really, um, I'm a big guy, but I, I have really, really long arms for my, for my size. Um, you know, they say your, your wingspan is supposed to be about the size of your height. Um, and oddly enough, I'm like four and a half inches or five inches uh, longer in my wingspan than I am in my height. So I have arms of like a guy that's like six foot eight. <laughs> so, um, it's like a lot of shirts. If they're dress shirts, I have to be super careful because, like, I'll look like a goof with, like, they'll only go, like, up my forearm. So they're they're really funny looking. So, like, to be able to, like, just stand at a mirror or even just, you know, like, take a picture of myself and be like, okay, that fits down to, you know, where my watch would be on my arm or whatever or, you know, right up my wrist, that's that would be so nice because that's my biggest apprehension with buying a lot of stuff online is that I just don't like the hassle of returning it when it comes to apparel. And so this is an area that we're right on the cusp of hopefully unlocking a lot of, uh, you know, help that way. And if it cuts down on returns, which I think I heard a number, like there's a billion dollars in returns every year, uh, or sorry, every year, the day after Christmas alone, you can just imagine the amount of investment that augmented reality and, and, VR is going to, you know, have, I mean, so many of these companies will be willing to throw tons of cash at that if it cuts down on, on any of those returns. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever get cut down on the returns for like gift giving, but I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like personal returns, if you can try something out before you buy it, then you won't be returning it. And most online retailers. Yeah. If you ever had to return something, you mentioned that's a big friction point, but I, I, like you said, I think we're almost there with with augmented and virtual reality, like testing something out, like especially when you talk about testing even the inside of a car, right? Like if you were in virtual reality and you could look everywhere you were, like just like you were in the car, like that's a that's a pretty big thing, right? It's just taking one step beyond what we have now where they give you a 360-degree view of, of the car. And then augmented reality, like they have the dimensions of the of the shirt and the clothing, right? It's just getting that information in there so they can map that over, you know, a human body, which I I know there are people out there working on that kind of stuff, right? And it'll eventually get there. And I think, like you said, we're we're not that far off 
from from something like that. And that's going to make it a lot tougher for for retailers where they had that showroom type feel because now you have a virtual showroom. And when the virtual showroom's there, like if if you can try it on there, you know, that's one less thing that those people have to, you know, worry about or drive to or worry about even being in their area. So I don't know. I, I think consumers are in a, a really good spot at, in this uh, in this side of the equation because they're just getting more and more choice. And the retailers are the ones who are kind of having to run and play catch up, you know, with, with the market as it goes. And I, I think this online push has just been a huge just kind of convenience for consumers. And this really just really sw- turned the tables in terms of, you know, who's who's in front. So it's super funny and timely is like just before we started recording tonight, I was looking at a couple of jackets online, Adam, and I, I, I can't make a decision on what I want and I can't try any of these on because they're not in the stores locally. Like I just can't get the size that I need or they like just don't carry that one in the store. And so I'm like, you know, I'm fraught with this dilemma. I was like, do I just buy like all three of the ones that I'm questioning and return the two that I don't, you know, and uh, the, the day this is all solved, it'll be so nice. Oh, for sure. Right. When we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, like that's the feature I want to live in. And as it turns out, like that will probably be the feature that I end up living in. So, well, all right, man. I mean, I know we're kind of running short on time here and I think we've kind of beat this uh, brick and mortar horse to death. Uh, is there anything you wanted to add before we kind of wrap things up? No, man. I I think uh, brick and mortar might be like brick and rubble. Now it's 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 not. There's not much left of it. I think we beat it up pretty bad. Yeah, I know. We we threw some punches at the brick wall, and it it kind of crumbled a little bit. We could start seeing cracks in the facade, right? And it's just a matter of time, right? So, but it's like I said, it's an interesting landscape to see how technology has really kind of been that wrecking ball, right? Been the thing to take down this established, you know, business sector. It it definitely, you know, has disrupted this area, that's for sure. So uh wrapping up, in in terms of talking about try before you buy and still kind of relevant is uh we mentioned last episode in our New Year's resolution that I was going to get a goof board. And since I am buying that goof board online, I now have a choice of colors. So I am T minus four days away from buying this goof board, and I still have yet to decide on a color. So I'll, I'll throw a link in the show notes so people can, you know, weigh in. By that time, by the time that they do, I will have already bought it. So sorry, guys, but my decision will be made by then. But Lou, uh, I need your help. I need you to help me kind of decide what color of this board I'm going to get because I can't see them in front of me and I can't try them out. So I kind of need some uh, other outside help. Okay. So I went to their website and I'm checking them out. So first question, I guess, is are we going, there's two models. It looks like classic or axis. Which one are you going with? So the one I'm going to get is the axis. Uh, just, it's a little bit smaller and it kind of gives you a little more configuration in terms of uh, writing styles. So I'm going to start with that one, and then I'll probably eventually get another one if this works out, one for home for like me and the kids, which will be the classic, but I'm going to start with the axis. So that should narrow down to the three color choices that they have on their website. Okay. So I I think Dawn Patrol was the one I liked, if, if I recall correctly. 
Um, it seemed like a, like kind of just a neutral tone, if you ask me. Uh, is there one you're leaning towards? So, uh, yeah, and it wasn't Dawn Patrol. Uh, so the colors that they have are Bluebird, which is just kind of, I mean, most of these boards, are, they're just a board, um, just like a plywood, you know, looking board that's polished. And they have um, a set of inlays on the outside and then an inlay running down the middle. So the Bluebird has the in, the outer inlays. They're kind of like a cream color. And then there's a kind of teal turquoise bluish uh, inlay going down the middle. Uh, the Dawn Patrol, which was your pick, was um, some dark blue outer inlays. And it looks like an orangish kind of uh, inlay in the center. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I, personally I wasn't thinking that was more orangish. I was thinking that it's more a, a brown, like a, I don't know, I, I you know, a brownish, a deep leathery, you know, it was like a saddle color, you know. Um, I think of Apple's like uh, the saddle brown case on their on their phones that I think of that color. All right, so let me do this because I do have like the night shift on on my display. So that's another problem with shopping online is anytime you have, you know, night shift on or anything that changes your color. Holy smokes! Now my screen is all white and burning my eyes. <laughs> it is definitely kind of like a tan color. Like, I can see that. They are still blue inlays, but it is a tan color. I will tell you, my second choice was the Plumera, and it was a close second. See, that's Plumeria. You know, that's Plum- like a flower, right? I don't know. I don't know. Flower? You what live on the West Coast. Like, we have them here. You should know what they are. You, you act like I go outside, or I'm a florist or something. I'm not. Yeah, right. I'm neither. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, my wife has already, you know, cast her vote, too. So I guess it'll be follow up on which one I actually end up getting. But if you guys, like I said, I'll throw a link in the show notes uh, if you want to take a look and weigh in on that. Oh, okay, so now I, I can't wait. What are the what are the wife vote? What? No, I'm not going to tell you because no, you could you can share that li- live feedback. Come on. Okay, okay. So that's fine. That's fine. I'll tell you. So uh, the wife voted for the blue one. The a bluebird. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the cream outer inlays and the blue inside. And the Plumeria, which we didn't even say what color that is, that has also cream inlays on the outside and then a kind of like fuchsia purplish or, well, I guess more of a maroon. I would say maroon, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. the outer is a little less cream and a little more yellow almost. Uh, I guess that's true. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You're right, but this, this goes into the whole thing of like, man, like I can't see these things, so I can't say for sure. And... I'm only looking at the product lighting, which is another issue, right? Like you can only take so many pictures of something in pro, you know, production lighting. And when you get it home, who knows if it's going to look the same. So, all right. Well, I, I still have four days to, to waffle back and forth before finally pressing that, uh, that buy button. All right. I'll be uh, looking forward to next week. Uh, which one you got? Yeah, there you go. Um, so another thing we have here is, Lou's movie list. It is 2018 and we have yet to really discuss your movie list. Uh, but I will say this, it hasn't been forgotten. We're still ironing out the details of when we're going to kind of record that episode. Uh, we do have a special guest who will be joining us for that, who is a certified movie buff, I guess is what Lou uh, has put in here, but we'll have someone kind of join us so we can present the list of movies that we're going to try to get Lou to fall in love with movies again. So he's going to watch one movie a month and we're going to choose 12 movies for him. He's going to have to watch them, 
has to do it. And then we'll kind of have a brief section and follow up each month uh, when he watches the movie to to see hear his thoughts. Yep, I'm I'm committed to this. Uh, I, I I definitely vowed it last year, and I'll I'll follow through with it. Um, I do have some travels coming up, so tentatively uh, certified movie buff who shall remain anonymous for now um, will be on, and um, I can say. I can say this much. This person has definitely spent, I think, thousands of dollars on iTunes movies. So that's, that's a lot, man. I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm a pretty safe bet to say this person spent thousands in iTunes movies, but that's a lot of cash. So, uh, this person's been through a lot of movies. So I, I think it's a good person to bring on. Yeah. That, that makes me feel a little better too, because like, you know, I, I like the movies I like. And when I, when I came up with this list, it was definitely movies that, that I, I personally liked, and I thought that, you know, you would enjoy, and it, it, they're not going to be like the best movies or like Oscar winning movies. Not all of them are going to be that because I think the whole goal of this was trying to get you to fall in love with movies again, or fall in love with this medium that we all kind of seem to enjoy. And you just sit there and like seem to forget about. Uh, but when I shared the list with this individual, they're like, Oh, I really like the movies that are on them. I'm like, okay, now that I know they've spent, you know, thousands of dollars and, you know, probably watch more movies than I have. I feel pretty good. Like that. I'm not missing out on some obvious choices. So that's reassuring. Yeah. This, this person is somebody that, um, I know when, anytime I hear about those, like, um, iTunes bundle deals where they're like wrapping like six or seven movies together. Um, he's like intense about, you know, Oh, I bought like four bundle deals last night. And, you know, so he got like, I don't know, 20 more movies to his collection. And, you know, is definitely the person that's like, I'm going to go buy a new TV so that I can take advantage of 4k and HDR and like, you know, he big movie buff. So this, this is somebody I think that'll be good for, for this show. And, um, you know, I, between the two of you, you two seem like you're going to have enough movie knowledge to, to put together a decent list for me. Well, hopefully. And then hopefully, like I said, the goal by the end is you will actually like movies again. And maybe we can finally go see a movie together. Cause and it won't be like pulling teeth, you know? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. All right, man. Well, till next week. See you later. Oh, I also figured out how to get the the audio thing to work the right way for the Skype recording and audio hijack. Oh, okay. So are you You'll recording your Skype call? Oh, hell no. Okay. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's not my job. Uh, it's not hard to fix. Or It's at the top. Yeah. Oh, oh. I did it. I, did I it. almost like... <laughs> <laughs> you it right when you, yeah, let's uh, let's test this collaboration feature here. <laughs> Who clicked the button first? <laughs> oh, I'll have to tell you the story about how uh, there was a wedding reception at a golf course, and my friend and I stole the golf cart that they were going to use for a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll have to tell you that story sometime. It was great. Our dads were so mad at us. <laughs> Got such a stern talking to.